This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the flame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Pete's got a chance and he scores. Jack Pete scores. Heffel is in there. Smith scores for Field Town. 3 2 Town. For a sherry, Danny Ward saves! Danny Ward saves! The quarter's in, round the hair! 2 0 on a field town! Christopher Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Boing boing, go three points to West Brom, but they're being replaced by three fans ready to make their point. Small mercies maybe, or maybe not, but with Neil on the injured list, there's myself, Matt. With me is Cozzy and Simon to discuss the latest goings on of Huddersfield Town from the last week. Hola, buenas tardes. Well, speaking of Spain, Cozzy, I understand you like Spain, but if you like golf as well... Uh, or if you or any town fan do, then this episode has been sponsored by BidOrBuyGolf.com. www.BidOrBuyGolf.com. Uh, they offer some great golfing breaks in the south of Spain, so make sure you go check them out if you're a, a golfer. So we'll move on to the the West Brom game and another defeat. Uh, town set up in a, a bit of a defensive 4-3-3, 4-1-4-1 kind of shape. Uh, but what I want to concentrate on more from this game is that first half in particular... I think this is the first time we've seen a clear plan from uh, the Cowley brothers. Uh, we, we've seen them work on something. They've had the full squad. I think last week before Sheffield Wednesday, I think they had the full squad together for just one day uh, due to international uh, call-ups. But we've seen them have the have the players for a full week. I think we saw something a little bit different, a little bit more compact in terms of the shape, a bit more discipline in that first half. And I think for 45 minutes, uh, the only real outball for West Brom was the overlapping... overlapping uh, Daniel Furlong down the right hand side. Uh, bonus point if you can tell me who his dad was. Paul Furlong. Paul Furlong, yes. Ex Chelsea. Ex Chelsea, QPR, yeah, correct. 
So good goal scorer back in the back in the day was Paul Furlong. Uh, yeah, so Darnell Furlong had a, had a good game, but I also thought Kyle and Grant tracked him really well uh, for the vast majority of the first half. I thought he did a relatively a decent job on that, and so did Kachunga on the the other side. So how pleased were you guys with the first half approach in particular from from town? We'll start with you, Cosy. You were there down at the Hawthorns. <laughs> 6.30am bus. Honestly, I'm yeah, walking out of the flat and it was getting darker mornings now and I'm just thinking, what are we doing here? It's like, a game live on Sky, it's 6.15 and I'm just walking down the road and there's like loads of other individuals wearing town shirts and we're all about to get a bus to Birmingham and watch your team one for ages. you just got to question your sanity, haven't you? But obviously we thought we were, it was incredible really. We were, a lot of people just looking at each other thinking, is this really happening? Can, can this even happen? And, uh, we were really buoyed, uh, you know, by what we saw. I think we're all hoping, like you said there, Matt, he's had, a, you know, quite a lot more time on the training ground, so let, let's see. And I think if we've been realistic, I think most town fans probably thought we were going to lose. But I, I think I said in our group, didn't I, that I, I think we'll, we'll see some positives and, and we'll kind of walk away more positive than when we set off, and it's exactly what we got. Thought the it seemed a pressing game, the energy seemed to come back and... Uh, I don't know, West Brom were a bit off it, but I just felt that we, we really, you know, pressed them and a lot of energy. And I see Carl and Grant, uh, a lot of people's not so sure whether he should be out on the left. And I think, I don't think it kind of worked well in the Sheffield Wednesday game, but I thought it did definitely in the first half. And he, you know, was really looking dangerous. Although I suppose we'll come on to the second later on. I think did kind of drop off a little bit. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was a good start, and we saw Brian back on the team sheet. Uh, you know, for the first away game for Danny Cali, I thought he were brilliant, and I thought Town, yeah, we just can we get that first goal? And obviously, we've talked about it before to get two goals in how many minutes? We were in dreamland, really, and uh, yeah, the support were awesome. The, one thousand one hundred fans. Is that what they were? Went. I was going to ask. I never knew what the total were, but. It's a great testament to our yeah. following, really, kind of given, as you spoke about, Cosy, the, the kind of situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, there was a, they were really positive, I suppose. Anyone, would expect, anyone who's there is going to be, surely, you know, positive, really, I think. And they were really noisy. I just felt there were real good energy there. And I think we were feeding off the team, which is something that I think it needs to go both ways, doesn't it? You can give you singing, but you want to see it off the pitch. And uh, yeah, really impressive. And our first goal were absolute class, wasn't it? First goal was really, really good. It was kind of great play by Lewis O'Brien, wasn't it? And kind of nice to see a midfielder kind of run beyond the striker for a change. And what a great finish, kind of in the bottom, bottom right hand corner of the goal. Couldn't put it away. Yeah, I think nicer, this, really. this is where we see the value of Fraser Campbell as well as a central striker because he made that angle himself. Yeah, he pulled the centre half out. He pulled it right, out. Kind of the guy didn't track him particularly well. Um, but no, kind of but he Campbell made, created that he space. Made the, yeah, he made the space for him to move into. And I don't think we'd have scored that goal if Mounier or Grant had been up front. I think that's the experience of Fraser Campbell and, you know, and how to do that, how to pull defenders around. I think that's, you know, that's a real plus sign of, of signing Fraser Campbell. And I thought it was a great, and a goal up the middle. How, how often do we score goals yeah, from up and, the middle and, of the pitch? And a midfielder bombing forward. Honestly, there, he just, he were brilliant, wasn't it? What a finish. Oh, it was though. really good. I yeah. mean, kind of, I know kind of, Cal has come out afterwards and kind of spoke quite highly of him and rightly so, but he definitely typified everything that for me, Huddersfield stands for and everything that I want to see in, in the team and um, that kind of energy, that commitment, the, the drive to get up and down, close people down, etc. Um, just a shame a few more weren't like that, but I guess we'll come on to this. Yeah, we'll, later. we'll talk about Lewis O'Brien in a bit more depth. but And then after the goal, Matt, and I text well, you, we second. had a bit of a ding dong, but we started singing and we didn't even finish the song. We're winning away, we're winning out. And then they scored. Incredible. I, 
And then it, that happened, I remember, I think, at Southampton what, over here as well. That Tempting that, fate. Oh, that yeah. Happened. I just can't believe we didn't even finish the sentence and then it were 1-1 and they were giving us plenty, you know, obviously there, but... Again, what but it was nice to see us respond after that. There's yeah. so many times where kind of in Congo the past we've conceded Lord. a Congo goal. Lord, man. They want more for than that. They're 17 million pounds. He, he looks a shadow. We're embarrassing, wasn't it? We would uh, be in there. Yeah, that. I mean, he gets, he gets square on. And for me, is that a sign of a, a centre-half being asked to play left-back? He's yeah. not quite sure of his positioning and, and kind of where he should be. But to your point, because at the same time, 17 million pounds, surely he should know that he's got to try and show him down yeah. the line and kind of not... Not kind of let him come inside the way he did. It was far, far too. He didn't easy. even try and get back after he'd been beaten, which I think says a lot about him at the moment. But yeah, it's, you never get past Congler. We used to sing, but I think it's too quite easy now, at the moment. Yeah, yeah and, and it was quite interesting actually. Um, once Jaden Brown kind of came on, it felt like the kind of the, the back four felt a bit more balanced again. Mm. Um, and actually, we'll probably see Jaden Brown Brown for a period of time now if uh, if Congola's got an injury, which we think he might have kind of after the game. A great reaction, wasn't it? Obviously, one one, and you know you're thinking, here we go, <laughs> but no, and a stunning, uh, another absolute beautiful goal. Uh, not many people made mention of this, but the pass from Kachunga to oh. Grant, and and this is what I've you know I've, I've been wanting Grant to come in from the the left hand side for quite a while because the. I think he can offer a lot of lateral movement coming in, you know, into those sort of goal-scoring areas. Not too dissimilar to what Kachunga did uh, in the uh, promotion season in a lot of ways. I was really pleased to see Kachunga come back into the team. I think on the podcast last week, I mentioned that I didn't feel he had a fair crack this season. He played in uh, the uh, the cup game against Lincoln um, and kind of been off the bench a couple of times, but not really had a fair a fair crack. And actually, I thought he did okay. Um, he, was, he was good at times, good defensively. As you mentioned, a great assist for that for the second goal. Discipline, that's what you Discipline, get Discipline, yeah, more so than, than Diacabi or Mbenzu potentially would be in that position. I did think he got a bit easily dispossessed at times, but then, then there was that kind of desire and that energy and work rate which you come to associate with him to kind of win that ball back, which is what we perhaps haven't seen from the kind of people I just mentioned. So the, the second half reverted to type a little bit, so I don't really want to go over the second half in too fine a detail because it's the same failings and the same sort of people so there's not it, it feels like if you want to hear us go on about that just put last week on or the week before or the week before well you've got to say though is that 70 minutes we're still winning it's not as if it were like 54 or 59 we were still winning with 20 but the one thing that visibly I thought went and again I, I don't like it me when you guys come in you know fitness this and fitness that but to me it's clear it, it's shocking, isn't it? How, I think a lot of it must be mental fatigue as well. I, because, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, because I thought Lewis O'Brien, and there a few people kind of like uh, challenging me on Twitter saying, yeah, he brought them off, but Lewis O'Brien were out of gas. He were done. Yeah, he, was. he were done. And just the guys, the energy, I think it was just inevitable, agree. wasn't it, what happened once they equalised it? It was a really poor goal again, wasn't it, for theirs? Yeah, it's oh, on, it's on oh, the fitness stuff. I, I 100% agree. Um, and kind of obviously Mark Hudson, when he was kind of in caretaker charge, spoke about how he felt the players were not fit enough for the style of football that he wanted to play and kind of fit enough for that pressing style of football. It's a different style, wasn't it? It is a different so, yeah. style. But I think what kind of confuses me a little bit is you've got some kind of established fitness coaches in that team. You'll have records kind of going back in terms of... Um, what kind of levels of fitness people have. They always kind of like vests these days, don't they? So you can kind of track their stats and such. So surely someone in that fitness department, somewhere in that fitness team should be saying these stats don't stack up to how they did the previous season. It's John Iger, isn't he, who's the head of that? But I I don't think physically there's that much wrong. I think like like Cosy says, I think it's mentally. I think mentally they shot. So I'll I'll link in the second half with what uh, some of the post-match reactions. So Cosy was on the the coach back but for those who could watch it on TV Slavan Bilic came out and gave a um, 
uh, and on the pitch post match, and he was great. He absolutely nailed everything. Did, did Slavon Bilic? He, he commented that he really likes the Cowley brothers, and I think he's helped them a little bit before with Lincoln City. And one thing he said is, after fifty five minutes, he could hear Danny Cowley shouting that they'd, that Huddersfield had stopped playing. He he said, you know, he was listening. He was sat there, and he could listen. Danny Cowley says, "You've stopped playing. You've stopped playing." And it felt like the players came out in that second half like it was the ninetieth minute, and the count. Yeah, because you said that about group. Deeper, deeper. Be honest, you you thought it kind of why is it changed and. Then it made complete sense, yeah. didn't it? Then and it that was as well. Players not, I, Why would you do that when we played so well? So yeah. exactly, I was really relieved that it wasn't, you know, Tactics Danny Cowley tactically. Because if it was tactic, I'd have been a little bit worried. But with it being players, I was quite happy with what. Well, as, as happy as you can be with what uh, Slavon Bilic and it's a bit more understandable, isn't it? Than, than kind of yeah, like you say, Cowley's kind of just so, like changing their tactics because because what you saw for me in the first half was kind of a sense of trying to get points away from home, which perhaps. We haven't done in the past, so um, there's a few more kind of long balls, diagonal balls from a centre half. So you kind of saw the no goalkeeper taking kind of um, defensive free kicks, and whereas in the past would have been very content or kind of quite happy to pass sideways from those kind of defensive positions, it was a little bit more uh, let's Lincoln, play for time, uh, Luton, yeah. let's kind of hit some long diagonal balls, let's kind of um, not not time waste per se, but kind was, of manage the game situation. And I think it was that's about kind of what moving. Was it was about really moving through the thirds. We we kind of like moved to the you know quickly get you know that quick transition into the third and try and make them turn I think that was the idea really to try and get West Brom to turn to their own goal rather than be in front of us all the time facing us and I thought it worked to a degree you could definitely see improvements and and okay we've kind of come away with another loss and it's not necessarily the result we were looking for or wanted but kind of wrap it all up I guess you kind of definitely see some improvements in the performance I know we did the Adders United F last week didn't we but again I thought he would another poor performance and we're getting guys to double up you know, to, to try and help him and, and stuff. It's almost like that substitution. That substitution that Billich made after fifty-five minutes. He brought on Dean Garner for. I think he's on loan from West Ham, mm. and he's he did he played really well. It was a, you know he ran up flow and it, it caused a lot of panic. You know with mm. and it wasn't just flow. You know you can see from from the highlights, Hogs getting dragged across, Chala was getting dragged across, and sometimes I think sometimes you have to say good substitution. And I was a bit annoyed after the game for an hour or so. Do you know we kind of capitulated and and then I kind of thought at the end West Brom are a team that I've been saying it'll be top three all season you know top two team on paper top three I think they're a good side good manager mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot in that first half like you say because there's a lot in that first half to be positive mm-hmm. about moving forward yeah the things that stood out kind of high up in the stand we were hunting in packs chasing people down I thought that were really good he wasn't just like one person were like pressing the wood two or three round guys and that as well. I noticed they were kind of having a lot of fun though down our left. They, their ball seemed to be always across, you know, to the left and run run at Congo. It's, it's very clear, isn't it, that, I mean, we know it anyway, that the full-backs... Uh, Problem position. Yeah, Problem it's position. a huge position and we'll probably come on to him later on, but I noticed Danny Simpson were chatting, everyone's on that photo. I think Radio Leeds put up, but that might not mean anything. He might be there... For West Brom because wasn't he training with them? And no, I was training with us last week. Was, I know he was training with us, but what is West Brom was there? Yeah, so I don't because yeah, there were people because I think that tweet were like, is he's about to sign? I think I'm a, bit, a little bit surprised it's not been done yet. So we're recording this on Tuesday evening, and and kind of the game was obviously on Sunday. Mm. I would have kind of hoped it to get over the line by now. And for me, really, if it, if we can get him in before Saturday's game, it'd be a, it'd be a start of me, no but doubt. It, I would imagine it'll be a financial decision because from from reading bits and bats, Danny Simpson wanted something like thirty grand a week to go play in France. So I would imagine there might, if there's any stumbling block, it might be to do with 
But just stripping down to basics, me and the guys that we were stood with, we we were buzzing. We were we were happy. We were buzzing. We were smiling. We were going nuts. We were cheering. We were just that thing that's just been missing for weeks and months and games. It felt it felt it felt good. Half time, like they got booed off. We're like, hey, this is it. Can we do it? I think all at the back of his minds, we knew they'd bring. I mean, they had a powerful bench, didn't they? And it kind of were better than ours. But I think we know deep down, maybe we could get a point or whatever. But it just felt good. And the one thing that I, I've never seen it happen before. It was incredible at the end of the game, and because I, I stopped till the death, and only because the coach was outside. Otherwise, probably I would have gone at 88, 89. But Danny Cowley came on the pitch, so that the, most of the guys wanted to disappear down the tunnel he made sure he went around every single player and dragged them towards the away end a lot of them you know Kachunga give his shirt to be fair a few of them wanted to go but in the end he got on there he got his way but then I've never seen it before Danny Cowley stood with his brother in front of the way end for one minute and just clapped he just clapped and it was weird they were like people just clapping back and I'd part of me thought after 45 seconds all right come on now we've lost but I've never seen that before. It's a bit of a po- connection forming. Yeah, isn't there? It was, yeah, they were a real connection, Matt. You were like, and it almost felt our crowd were like, guys, we, we totally understand. We, we respect you joining us because we wouldn't have took the job if we'd have been in your position. We really like what you're about and stuff. It was beautiful. It, it was as if to say, you know, yeah, you set off at silly o'clock, you could even watch it on Sky. It was, it was brilliant. I've never seen it before. Just like for one minute, it went on for ages. It was like a minute's silence that, I mean, it's a plus, it went on. For ages, it, it, I've never seen that before. You see, we've always had the Wagner wave or what have you, and other stuff where people have come up and. He had, he had did it a few con- times, but I don't think he yeah. got the but same for response. One minute, he, just, he just went on and on. I thought, and, and all the players had gone and they were still doing it, and it was just like you just could only wish guys like that, you know, to do well. And, and the soundbite here and that stuff that Billet said, Matt, and stuff. It's all it's all positive stuff for me, and that as well. And I think um, you've made a couple of points on here, Cosy, previously around it's quite difficult to relate to this team at this moment in time and then kind of, you kind of can't necessarily kind of have that association with the players on the pitch. And I agree with that, but you can have a, an association with the Cowley brothers. And I think when the way they conduct themselves in the media, what you kind of imagine their principles to be, what you imagine kind of they stand for is, I guess, mm. like what I'd like to think I kind of see in, in my kind of community and circle of friends, etc. And you can really relate to those people, I think. And mm. the way they speak and, and kind of there's a level of maturity and a level of um, realism. But grounded, kind of, very grounded. Grounded, very yeah. humble kind yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, I think uh, what's and, and that's going to bring people with them, I think, hopefully. I think what's interesting, I've got kind of a lot of friends to support other clubs and, and, and a lot of them have tweeted me after these games and said, these guys are sorted out, they're good people. Normally you get, you know, like another manager that these guys are a bit of a... I don't know, a bit of a dick, fraud. this guy, or fraud, or yeah. something like that. But I think, obviously, that if you know your football, especially like lower divisions, there, there's a lot of respect for these guys, how they yeah. pulled themselves up from grassroots to... I don't think an opportunity on. to read it either, but the statement that kind of the both, like both jointly released, kind of as, as and when they left Lincoln, essentially kind of thanking the fans for their time there, how they very much enjoyed their kind of um, their kind of tenure there, if you like, wished them every success for the future. Um, that was kind of really quite powerful, mm. and I think kind of... Inevitably, some Lincoln fans were sad to see them leave, understandably so. But the kind of the, the well wishes they've got, um, again, kind mm. of reaffirms that that view that we've got some really good people in charge here. Um, all that said, we need to win. Yeah. We need to start winning games quite quickly. The post match comes. You're going to read them out there. Yeah, I've just, yeah. I just yeah, you read my mind. Um, I just want to get your your take on what he said, and and there's the different ways you can determine what this means. You know, it might not be as black and white as mm. what what it appears, but. What he said was, what I saw today was enough fight, not from everyone, but from most, and that gives me encouragement moving forward. 
I think a lot of people have taken that to mean that some players don't care out there. But there's other ways you can look at that in terms of that they're flat mentally, you know, and that they're just they just don't have any more fight to give. There's a number of different ways mm-hmm. to sort of interpret what they've said. It's not as I don't think it's as black and white as saying these players care, these players don't care. Um, what? How did you sort of interpret well, I, again, that? Again, a bit like Sheffield Wednesday last week. I I thought we'd get a it was a great effort against a team that's probably going to be pushing for the top two. Blah de blah de blah. We've never, you know, we haven't won for ages. And I, I like that. I, I did interpret, to be fair, that there's not everyone, you know, because I, I, little things for me that really annoy me in football, I mentioned it before, and we saw it the week before again, saw it mentioned floor, but guys are beaten like Congolo. But still, come on, mate. He's gone past you, but get it back. Show some energy. Care. Give it, you know, go there, do something. Push, press. Harry, don't just sit there and just think, oh, God, it's gone, the ball, and stuff like that. That's why I'll never knock a chunga, because... He's, he's one of those who just like gives it all and so I, I did read it into that man that yeah there were it could, maybe it could two mean or three. that but there's, there's yeah, different because ways, it's yeah. great isn't it to hear that because I'm like well this is a great effort blah 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 but he was like no not everyone's on the same page yet which again he'll get his way though it shows he doesn't I, suffer fools though Simon I think he, 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 you can't pull the wool over I think this is what Don Goodman alluded to a little bit after the game you know that you can't the very serious you know the very good to do the they're very jovial and very good with the media, but they're very serious guys, and you can't con them, you can't fool them. And I think that was something which, you know, like I say, Don Goodman came up with. I think that's very right as well. Yeah, I mean, I I thought his comments were quite black and white actually, in the sense that um, some people gave her all, some people could try harder. And actually, when you watch the the game back on Sky, um, the co commentator, not, not quite sure it was, makes reference to the fact Danny that Danny Higginbottom is is excellent. Is Danny? Higginbottom, yeah, he's yeah. good. Um, he makes reference to the fact that last week's game. Um, Danny Cowley was shouting to Akaba, he must work harder, he must work harder. Mm. And, and then obviously kind of um, they hooked him off, which perhaps suggested he didn't get what he wanted. Um, but yeah, I, I saw the comments as quite black and white. One other thing he said was um, the players who worked hard for the team got their rewards as a consequence for that. Um, he didn't name names, but you'd kind of assume Lewis O'Brien and Callum Grant, they're the two goal scorers, I think Lewis O'Brien particularly. I'm pleased um, he didn't dig people out the other way as no, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that comes back to the point what we spoke about before, about being kind of a humble yeah. person, kind of very kind of, I guess, mature in the media, um, kind of not going to throw people under the bus per se, but... I think we'll soon see in his, his team selections kind of who's prepared to work hard and, and, and who's not really. I think what's fascinating for me is that he's, it's obviously a massive step up, the biggest challenge that he's ever had, the, the highest level he's ever managed at. But he's come from two, three seasons of win, 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 everything going well. I suppose he'll tell us that not all of it went well, promotions and stuff. So he's used success. He knows the secrets of success. And yeah, you could say, well, other managers say we've got an Atkins and he knows how to get promoted, etc. But all of a sudden, the guys just like come from that beautiful buzz and two, three years to throwing it. That's so I, I it must be more evident to them because you know, for us, obviously, we've had the we've had a sixty games of non of rubbish, really, haven't we? And then different managers, but these guys like right. This is probably why it's not little bits like just the hard work and that as well. How it goes about kind of sort it is a obviously another matter, but little things that have started like Grant out wide couple of people on the bus d- didn't agree with it, to be fair, coming back, saying that it nullifies him a little bit. But I understand why they defense, wouldn't. Because his defensive work, he's got to help the full-backs out because of that bad. And it's like, and I get that, but he gives us a lot going forward on that. I, lap, I understand why they wouldn't like that, to be honest. But by the same token, he nullifies our attack by being the central focal point. So it's a, it's about mm. getting him into the side and trying to get the best out of him, but also the best out of the entire team rather than just... Just grant, and I thought it went well. I thought I thought it did work well. I think from my point, it's a little bit at the moment about getting the best players 
find a way to get them all on the pitch at the same time and getting those players who want to play and have a desire to play and the commitment on, onto the pitch. And uh, for me, one of them is Fraser Campbell right now. So if, you, if you're going to play a kind of a one-up top system, Fraser Campbell kind of almost has to have that role. And then you kind of find a find a space for Grant, really. And it's probably not his favourite position. Um, I thought he did work hard kind of defensively. Um, I would have liked to see him further up the pitch, definitely at times. But, but I'd much rather have him and Campbell in the side, uh, kind of in combination of positions mm-hmm. right now than what I would do um, one of those and a Dear Carbet and then Benzer etc see that was only chance we had second half when he brought Mooney on and, and to be fair part of me thought ah, I think if you had Andy Gray you know kind of still commentating on Sky be like get in there son or Shearer do you know what I mean it would I kind of it would have flashed across the box a, a, someone really hungry would have oh, yeah, I don't, maybe, yeah. maybe it's a, a, it, a stick it to beat him out he would come off the bench and what have you but that, that was a chance to go 3-3 free, free, and then who knows, doesn't it? But it just like... I felt a bit for Munier and Campbell's second half. I thought we retreated that much that they just got left completely marooned yeah. up front. I felt a bit for them to us. Uh, maybe they could. Maybe Munier could have worked a bit harder when he came on, but I, it was it was always four against one, really. It was, a, it was a tough one. But let's talk about something exciting, and that's Lewis O'Brien. Flattish goal kick. Delivered by Grabara, but it's miscontrolled in midfield by West Brom. Lewis O'Brien plays a 1-2 with Campbell, meanwhile. O'Brien shot, left-footed goal! Lewis O'Brien's first goal for field Town! A wonderful curling, low left-footed strike, past a slow to react Johnston in the West Brom goal. What a turn-up this is after the start to the season that Town have had. West Brom nil, Huddersfield Town won. Take a bow, Lewis O'Brien. So we've seen we've seen a couple of cameos now from O'Brien, where he's, he's looked he looked good um, against uh, Reading, was it in in the home game? I think he had a chance early doors, and it was I think that was Reading. Uh, he's looked good in in pre season as well, and he was a player that uh, I I did a few season previews for bits and bats, and Rovers chat was one of them, and they asked for a, a breakout player, and I I picked Lewis O'Brien because I'm quite excited about him. You know the kind of player he is. You know he's. He's very box to box. He's full of energy. You know, he's got grit. He's technical. He can play. He's got a bit of everything apart from height. So he's got, you know, he's got quite a bit of everything. And I think last season at Bradford was a great experience for him as well. He's played forty six games. At, I know Bradford finished bottom, but the, you know, he's played forty six games, four goals, three assists, and I know Bradford didn't do a Player of the Year award last season. Oh, and people I work with, you, they were absolutely raving over him. And, yeah. and for them to say that about another show player, I was going to tell you what that yeah. takes them saying. So for, for him to to go yeah. there as a, a, a TB, if you like, what Bradford, oh, they'll say worse, won't they? But to go there as a Huddersfield player and to have their fans one round mm-hmm. when there's a rivalry there, I thought that spoke volumes. And I think when you look at a lot of the forums and what have you about player of the year, and I think everyone said, if it's not Lewis O'Brien, it's, it's no one. And... I'm quite excited. What, what what are you guys about, Lewis O'Brien? I'm, I'm always wary, and there's a few comments on Twitter as well, I'm always wary about building players up. Yeah, I'm going to strip it back and say simply this. I think Lewis O'Brien is the only player at the moment that looks forward to playing for Huddersfield Town on a Saturday. To me, it seems this guy is living his dream of being a professional footballer for Huddersfield Town. Throwing Jaden Brown as well for that. Yeah, sorry, and probably Jaden Brown, but... I, I just look like there's a guy who can't believe his luck. He's playing in a championship for Rudshill Town and he's giving it 110%. Yeah, we know he's raw. But when he scored his goal, he's like, he's absolutely <laughs> over the moon. And it's always the same, isn't it? I mean, Fraser Campbell's kind of one of our own. You know, Lewis O'Brien 
Mark, you know, more coming through the ranks and stuff. But I just, we can warm to people like that. But just that energy, just when everyone else looks like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders and just mentally shot, this guy just looks, get me on the pitch and I'll, I'll give it my best gaffer. And we need more of them guys. Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo all that. His kind of work rate kind of exceptional, wasn't it? it covered every blade of grass. I think he had um, a nice bit of balance to kind of a midfield three, kind of being able to play on the left-hand side and being naturally left-footed. Um, I think Cowley does call him out kind of for being out of position for, for kind of West Brom's equaliser. Um, although from my point of view, that's Congolo's fault. Um, so he's obviously got stuff to learn, but but by all means, give me 11 of him with kind of the odd mistake here and there than kind of some of the people we've necessarily got at the moment. The, the one thing I would say on, on O'Brien is I'm still a little bit unsure what his best position is. So some people spoke about him on Twitter um, replacing Hogg and being that defensive midfielder, kind of kind of breaking up um, attackers. We just kind of saw at the weekend, obviously, his ability to kind of go beyond the strikers and score goals, scores goals from outside the box. You mentioned, obviously, he got a few uh, goals and assists for Bradford last year. So um, box to box for me, Simon, I think. That that kind of midfield, I, I I wouldn't pigeonhole him as a six or an eight. I think he's box to box energy. So say so say at some point we revert to four two three one, which I think Danny's come out and said is his preferred formation. Would you see him in that midfield too, or would you see him further up the field? It's a good question actually, because in the Where academy, did he play for Bradford last year? He played uh, as a centre mid in a four four two, I think, or a four two three one. So Coming he played in the forward two. more than old him guy. But in, if we play four two three one, I'm I'm looking at it from. Maybe how we've played it before. You get your, your six and eight, as as they call them, don't they, in, in Europe. And Modern Hog, day football. Hog, yeah, Hog's more of your, your six. You're more defensive, who, who, who drops into the, you know your back four and, and picks the ball up and, and sprays passes around. I don't really see him in that role. I don't think he's physically enough to do that, that role. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. But he's not a playmaker as such like Moy either. He can pass, but he's not. he doesn't see the angles that, that Moy does. I, I would imagine that he's the eight in the four two three one. But in, in the academy, interestingly enough, he has played at 10. He has played right wing. He spent a lot of time playing right wing in the academy. Uh, he's played both flanks. He's played 10. Uh, he's played fullback. Uh, he's played, you know, in the, in the two as well. So he's played all over. So I think his adaptability is, and flexibility is going to be really, really key. It's good, but we shouldn't necessarily then use him as a kind of a, someone who kind of plays in every single position. Kind of at some point, he's got to become one of the first things on the team sheet and playing in his preferred position. And I, I, I think slightly different style. too, yeah. I, I think he could be that kind of six in front of the back four at some point. But for me, not right now. And the reason why I say that is because in, in Shalabar and, and Hogg, we, we've kind of got um, two quite defensively minded midfielders already. We've lost Moy. Um, Pritchard's obviously unavailable. We don't have enough creativity and enough forward um, momentum in the team. And, and, and if he's going to be able to bring that, then for that reason, I kind of keep him in a position that he is I would, now. I would say as an eight for me, a box-to-box eight. But the caveat to that is you would need uh, like a deep-lying sort of playmaker alongside him, you know, to pick things up and get things going and allow him to do his thing. I think that would be my preference. But obviously we don't have... The deep line. I've had Pritchard off. I didn't. I'm a bit surprised it wasn't. Not busy. much has been said. No, I'd imagine it's a couple of weeks. He's and yeah, he's um, it'll, it'll be an interesting one to see what happens because I think in terms of midfield, I'm not too sure you would put Pritchard, Hogg, and O'Brien in the same three, would you? With with the size and uh, set piece has been so key in this league either. So I think Chalaba is going to be quite a uh, a key component of that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a few options, kind of. Um 
does shallow bar revert to centre half? Obviously, kind of got a few problems there at the moment. That's where he plays for England under 21s. Does, yeah. um, I think we need Pritchard on the pitch as soon as possible because um, his set piece, our set piece delivery for me is quite poor at the moment. I'm kind of not convinced by Grant taking those. No, you want um, him in the box, even though he's not good. In, he's not a, a big sort of striker. You still want him sort of sharking, don't you, for, so, for so knockdowns and whatnot? So I'd, I'd definitely have Pritchard in there somewhere. So yeah, how, how you kind of throw it all together, I guess, remains to be seen. But yeah. their fourth goal were poor, wasn't it? I think yeah. I think the second half, I think all goals were quite poor. I think even the mm. first one, because I think you can attribute Grant a little bit on the first for not tracking the fullback, but pff, it's it's gone. I, let's 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 have a look at what people are saying on on Twitter uh, about Lewis O'Brien, and there's a few good comments. So Molly and Mike, which I'm sure is a a TV show, was it in America? But M and M's, aren't they? Yeah. Chocolates. Molly Firth and uh, and Mike uh, Terrier seven and two have kind of said the same sort of thing. In that uh, we should be get should be careful and not get too carried away and put too much pressure on on Lewis O'Brien. Which it's because it's positive story and we're just lacking in any many of them at Huddersfield Town. So anything decent is gonna. I know what they're saying, but we're gonna season it, aren't we? Yeah, and Oliver says great player, but we shouldn't rely on him too yeah. heavily. Which which is right. I think it's right to do that because I, as as I've said to you guys in private, I think. Carl and Grant got built up way too much to be something that he wasn't really yeah. um, a few months ago. And I'm starting to see now people, because people went over the top in praise, and I understand why I did it, because we didn't have much to cheer about. People are now going over the top with yeah. the criticism. So you kind of, you know, to kind of even it up. I thought he'd have run Messi close though, Brian, last night on that the best though. Disappointed, <laughs> he didn't get in uh, top three, but... I don't know the Maybe football year, people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jack Boothroyd says he's very excited about the future. He's uh, the brightest homegrown talent since Billing. Uh, in terms of where he'd play him, he'd fit in Cowley's 4-2-3-1 when Pritchard is fit and he'd swap him for Hogg in that system like you, Simon. So he'd play him as the mm. six. Maybe pair him with Bakuna. Uh, Pozza, uh, he says he'd like to see him in a 3-5-2 as the deeper of the th- central three in the middle uh, with Pritchard and, and Chalabar. Uh, Dale Marsden thinks he's got too much attacking quality in his locker so he thinks it's a bit of a waste as a as a DM and I, I kind of do as well a little bit but um, Freddie Cocker again agrees with you he says he sees him as a, a ready made replacement for Jonathan Hogg who, who uh, Hogg's Hogg's, <laughs> Hogg's not coming off great in some of these tweets um, he, he says O'Brien at the base with Chalabar more advanced of the two with well, he's been poor for a while some of the tweets are spot on Hogg, as much as he'll show legend he's been, he's been off for a Agreed. long time I and he, some people were saying shouldn't be worth a shirt at the moment it's not. I don't think it's ungrateful to suggest it, but I think some of them are just so browbeaten yeah, that they could just him out of the move, move out of the firing it, line. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. maybe come back a little bit yeah. more energised. I think is is the way of kind of looking at it, rather than sort of harshly dropping. That's not what yeah. I think people. Yeah, I liked are saying. it yesterday on a different spot, but England cricket made a couple of changes and they said that rested guys, aren't they? To, uh, to Besto was the yeah, one who rested. rested. So I'd say for Hog, yeah, we can rest him when. Yeah, I think we all know yes. what the reality is, but. Yeah, why not? You know, try something different. Chris Taylor's come up with a four-one-four-one, which he, which looks interesting to me. Um, he's put Grabara, uh, presuming Danny Simpson signs. Um, as far as we know, Danny Simpson's not signed yet. It's Tuesday, uh, but he's still training and still with us, and uh, and 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 maybe uh, something may be imminent. You know, well, either in terms of signing or not signing on that score. Uh, he he's gone with Grabara, Danny Simpson, Stankovic, partnering partnering Schindler, and Jaden Brown, Chalabar just in front of them as the DM holding. And then he's gone for a four of Kachunga, Reese Brown, Lewis O'Brien and Carlin Grant with Fraser Campbell up front. So you've got your playmaker next to O'Brien there, which is interesting. There's not a lot of brute force, although Chalaba behind them, it's, it's an interesting one, is that one. Uh, Sam Dixon says, Hogs replacement, uh, Liam Parker. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. 
just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Say so is the way uh, we're playing at the moment in Cowley's preference for 4-2-3-1, then he'd play him and Chalaba as the two when Pritchard is fit. And then Michael Casey said he's a good all-round midfielder for me, he can do everything, but to take the immediate pressure off him to do well, I'd put him behind the striker in the number 10 role, uh, let him concentrate on linking play with the attacking players. And like I say, he's done that in the academy before. So there's a lot of... I think the problem when, when someone's so flexible like that, there's a danger that they can become the... I think you might were going down this pathway, Simon, that there's a danger that they can kind of become... Uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. There's a, we've had a few players who've done that in the past, whereby they've just ended up filling in. Like Scott Arfield, for example, ended up playing left wing, right wing, central midfield, defensive midfield, number ten. He ended up all over and never settled anywhere. I think that sometimes, if you've got a good player, you make a position for him. Yeah, I mean James Milner for me is uh, kind of the prime example of that, and he's done that very, very well for is his it, career yeah. and had, had a great career. Um, and has kind of arguably plays a number of positions, also the same ability, but. Um, I think well, Lewis O'Brien right now, he in his head will have his preferred position and he should be making a case for playing that position week in, week out. Um, although that, saying that, kind of, here's a guy who presumably it feels like right now we're going to ask to play 46 games again this season. Um, I think he played 46 or something around that number for Bradford last year and yeah, he's yeah. still a young boy so we do need to be careful kind of how much we ask for him, how much out, we yeah. rely on him. Um, but uh, at the same time we're in a kind of results business and kind of surviving relegation is kind of priority number one if that means kind of burning some players out then I guess so be it right now Ince with a repeat corner from the right left footed near post Schindler flicks it 1-0 on a field town Christopher Schindler has met Tom Ince's corner it might have taken another deflection but Town's talisman defender has broken Man City's defence so, Cosy, so one thing that you saw on Sunday for the first time, I witnessed it first-hand away at QPR when I was on the, you know, pretty much the front row, if you like, down there, is uh, Tommy Elphick's bump and grind with the, the goalpost. <laughs> I've not seen it before. It really funny. The guy next to me says, just watch this. And then I thought, what's he doing here? Walking off the pitch. And then, yeah, bang, bang, bang. He and, says uh, a few words as well. It's almost like a yeah, it's, prayer uh, kind of thing as well. Yeah, but obviously, it's supersti- I've never been one for superstitions, but that were uh, surreal, but... To be fair, he were a bit more improved, I thought, didn't he? Then uh, I thought he did fine. Yeah, I he did some fine. other games and that as well. So maybe need to just whack his head a bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday against Millwall. Any any superstitions for you, Cosy? As a um, when you go watch or maybe with no, not really. Before? I'm not a superstitious uh, person. I, I I've always smiled at some of the ones that come out and I saw a few tweets, which you probably read in a minute. But oh, well, not really for me. No, I, I'm, I'm similar. Um, I've kind of played in 
few cricket changing rooms where people have put the left pad on before the right pad, the left yeah. boot on before the right boot, etc. Um, kind of the five pad then the box are, are kind of a different order. Um, but to be honest, yeah, I kind of there's not enough between my ears, mate, to kind of uh, have any superstitions. Yeah, we um, we used to play for the same team, didn't we? I played before you, and then I I stopped through injury, and Simon sort of took over a little bit later, didn't you? As, uh, and uh, the captain from that team used to get changed by himself in the toilet as his, as his wow, little superstition. For years, we thought it was because no, he didn't want anyone to see him without his shorts on. But <laughs> he, he reckoned that was one of his superstitions. And one thing I did when I was about 21, 22 in, in that team. So this is Sunday football, not the Saturday football. So I used to play Saturday and then Sunday for fun with, with my mates in the uh, heavy woolen league. So um, I once bought the Effie Sodji bandana you know the uh, yeah against yeah, all odds yeah. one and I wore it as a joke for one game I think it <laughs> against Murfield someone dared me to the wear it so are in goal get it in goal. out yeah so I, I haven't got any unfortunately I've got one of a, of a mate who's a Bradford fan wearing it and <laughs> I think that's very brave having kind of played a bit of Sunday morning football myself kind of I kind of imagine you were uh, yeah it was, it was <laughs> like on the end of your elbow or kind of late tackle wearing was, that it was a joke as a joke and I think most people found it you know like what's he doing you know and, and we won and I got man of the match and I wore it for the rest of the season and we got promoted and it became a, a bit of a thing you know every week it's like are you going to wear that bandana this week you played well last week and the, I did wear the Effie Sodji bandana for, for a full season and then sadly I left it in the kit bag over, over summer and uh, Graham you know Graham I know Graham he, he washed the kit and Graham is the tightest man alive and he used to wash the kit he used to have to go to the laundrex he lived in in Headingley in student accommodation and he was so tight that he didn't buy washing detergent. So most of the stuff shrunk or it was just washed in water by Graham or he'd run it under the tap. And uh, he shrunk it, unfortunately, So it, and, and it all, all the colours ran. So it ended up getting uh, thrown away for the next season. But and, uh, your career went downhill a bit like Episodius has recently, I guess, after <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> not quite. I didn't quite get up to what he did after his, after his playing career. But yeah, that was, a, that was one. And uh, I, I also as well, I'm not particularly that superstitious, but usually when... You go to a game and you have a good win, and you you, re, you remember what shirt you wore. And sometimes you think, you know, I'm going to put the same t-shirt on. And at the start of the 2016-17 season, I used to have this uh, blue t-shirt, and uh, I wore it for about eight games running, and we won all eight games at the start of that season. And I think after we won at Elland Road, my mate actually kissed my t-shirt because he actually, and he's not superstitious at all. And he was Where's that t-shirt now? It's still upstairs. Bring I, it back. Bring I, it back. I tried last season; it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so. There we go. The magic, the magic wore off when we lost, we lost at Reading. But enough of my weirdness. Let's go on to social media to see what wonderful weirdness we have on here. And there, the, the, there are some ropey stuff out there. I think when you look hard enough. But the responses we got were relatively sane. We'll go with. And uh, Mike Terrier seven and two says he went to Wembley to watch us versus Swansea and we lost. So he stayed away from the playoff final versus Sheffield United and we won. So I stayed away from the Reading player final. So he thinks he should stay away totally from now on. So I don't think you'll keep him away with the Cowleys there, though. He's a, a big Cowley fan. Uh, Jacob Rogers says, On Sunday I wore my Huddersfield Town boxers and Huddersfield Town socks. I'm actually glad we didn't win. Uh, Anthony O'Neill says, Sometimes he doesn't. Go, he thinks uh, he won't go because uh, when, you know, they've won previously when he's not gone, so he won't go again the next game just in case. You know? If you did that 60 games ago, you wouldn't have seen much football, would you? <laughs> Uh, Football Charlie says he once found a Blackpool FC pin badge on the way to a game uh, apparently not against Blackpool uh, so 15 years ago he says he pocketed it and he said we were behind at half time I went to the toilet flushed it down not a responsible action and we won the game he says if he could take a if he could afford a badge a game 
and thought the plumbing at the stadium could take it, then he would uh, be invested more in. <laughs> that's class. <laughs> in that one. Daniel Peckett says, whenever my mother goes to a town game, town win, but that superstition ended after she went to the West Brom game. Uh, my brother-in-law, um, George, he, he, when he comes down from Inverness, he, Huddersfield have never lost when he's been to a game. Until, until and then I took him to no, he'd, he'd been to about fifteen. He's starting oh. when we drew his first one when we drew one all with Peterborough in the League One season where we we lost to Old Trafford, and uh, he he's never seen he'd never seen us lose. So I thought you know I'll buy him Old Trafford tickets for you know Christmas and sadly saw his first defeat. But Town did score at Old Trafford thanks to Zanka. But sadly that that's what's he doing on Saturday. Broken. I'm sure our kind sponsors might want to... Uh, <laughs> it's a long way. Treat him to a cheeky train fare. Uh, Jamie underscore underscore 1739 says, my superstition is to try and stay away from the lineup until I get there. Then I don't have an excuse to turn around and go home. Uh, never works though. Um, so yeah, so thanks for sending in your uh, your superstitions. There's some good ones. I'm sure, sure some moral... Uh, there'll be some moral coming, I think, uh, over there. That I think when once people get a bit brave with some of the crazy stuff they do. I'll tell you what was weird at West Brom on uh, Sunday, but I don't know, weird, I've always thought this, so a lot of these grounds now got these big screens, aren't they, where they show the game in real time, and I've always thought that's totally pointless, because you're watching the game, obviously, and then that's real time, so what's the point? But I noticed West Brom's screen, and I don't know if it's been done this on purpose, I'd like to think it has, but he was about three or four seconds behind the play, so it was good, so when chances went in or goals or what have you, you could just look up and see it happening straight away on the screen, and I can't understand why more other clubs don't do that you know instead of just showing the game as it is it just seems totally totally back, back in the day really. you weren't supposed to show any um, any sort of contentious decisions for fear of riling the crowd up but I'm not sure what the, the rules are on that these days no I mean obviously it's a debate for another day but the VAR thing I think the plan isn't so you can see you know stuff in the stadium and happening in that as well so I think I think that'll go you want to get as many people engaged in the ground as well but I think we miss a god it's probably bored people to death but I think we miss a trick we have screen behind the goal that West Brom's use it to add to the match day I think really, it comes across really well where ours is god there's, I think you were saying Sam you're looking for even, even seeing what time's left and these adverts left right and centre and yeah. I just feel like it's become more of a kind of a, it's a, a marketing tool yeah, rather yeah, than it is kind of a, yeah. a scoreboard these days and agreed understand the value that. again you know let us down there they need to Get the finger out and uh, you know make it better. I just googled, just thought you know I'll, I'll Google funny sport in um, superstitions and uh, the, the number one I think it's an American site and the number one was Leoto Machido who's a UFC I think he's a light heavyweight maybe uh, apparently before fights he drinks his own urine as his father taught him to do that so there's a few a few ropey ones out there. But just finishing on West Brom because I'm I'm a massive fan of Leothorn so I think it's one of the best grounds in the country. I think Good bunch of fans they've done well. it up well. They've made it an atmospheric ground and that as well with the corns and stuff. I think, God, I mean, we mentioned, I think we were talking when we were doing really when the Premier Dean want to fill the corners and what have you. But I don't know, I just think ours, cause sometimes atmosphere disappears, but theirs is really, really good. I mean, they're not the loudest fans, to be honest with you, but I do enjoy a, a trip down there. And I don't know if we mentioned it before, but the pricing were absolutely sensational, wasn't it? You get what were it, two adult tickets for, for 30. I think kids were might even be a pound or five pounds something pensioners five pounds yeah and they got the rewards there because they were a damn good crowd proper crowd that were given out really on like it's, it's kind one of, of ours with Sheffield Wednesday we empty seats 22,000 don't think so that definitely what a 23 there's not a lot of football crowd. clubs I like to be honest you know <laughs> I think social media's opened me up to a whole world of of whopper but um, West Brom are always a club that I always quite like and you look back at their history and they've got some really cool moments in history with 
the three uh, the three tenors was it the uh, Brendan Batson Cyril Regis mm. and oh, what's the other one but you know they've got quite a um, the one who went on to play for Real Madrid he was an awesome player play for England well I couldn't am I no, yeah, but he, uh, yeah, they've got this. There's good history yeah. there. It's a, it's a good football club, and they've, they've got some intriguing stuff. I mean, like the, the Lord is my shepherd is a weird, one of the weirdest chants you'll ever get in it. And they all had it like on the on behind the goal. They were like kind of the words out as well, so everyone kind of could. Laurie kind of Cunningham, how was it? Laurie Cunningham. Yeah, but yeah, they've got some interesting stuff. Obviously, the boing boing as much mm. people have kind of like changed it and Gloss you know up. nicked it up there. But ah, I, I'm like West Brom, lot lot of time and God. Uh, yeah, I'd have rather have beaten him out, even get a draw on that as well. But no, Alphonse is a good away day. Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't go on Sunday, but I did go, kind of, I think, two seasons ago. And um, what I like about it is it's kind of a traditional football ground, isn't it? There's a lot of these modern stadiums that, with the greatest respect, you could be anywhere in, anywhere in the country. They flat, all kind of look the same. Packs, um, you mean like John Smith? <laughs> to, to, no, to an extent. not John Smith. I'm talking like about like the Hull, London Stadium. Middle, West Ham, yeah. for example. Yeah. It's so kind of Got corporate and clean, yeah. whereas the Hawthorns is a proper football stadium. We kind of, and, and yeah. kind of I enjoy that kind yeah, of side of it. Yeah, and that as well. It's really good, but yeah. Right, and the other, Neil's not here, but uh, that hasn't stopped him from sending in his, uh, his latest danger. Hi. I'm Phil Hodgkinson, and you're listening to The Danger Zone. This week's Danger Zone has got to be the one, the only, Katie Watkins. What an absolute nightmare she's had. Rattling on about Huddersfield. Yeah, it's got some bad stuff going about it. And every town and every city. Going on about drug crime, grooming, etc. People only pick up on bad things instead of all the good that happens uh, within within the town. There's a lot of things obviously I'm involved with. Things like Huddersfield Street Kitchen. Andy's Man Club, there's all the great stuff the Foundation do. There's the stuff that the Mission do. There's there's all sorts of good going on in Huddersfield. Yet she just chooses to pick up on three bad things. Totally, totally missing a point on purpose to get a reaction. Well, well done, Katie Whopper. You've got the reaction you wanted. You are this week's Danger Zone winner, comfortably. Right, Cosy. So uh, Katie Watkins is the uh, deserved winner of uh, the Danger Zone this week. Uh, we'll move on. I think Neil said everything that needed to be said there. So we'll move on to um, your regular feature. Now, Darren Bullock. It's the last penalty. And if he scores from this, they are through to the final. Huddersfield are there. Darren Bullock is the hero. In goes Robbins. Taken short to Brown and Robbins making a dart across the face of the defenders, a perfect header. Brown gets a flick, Fletcher! 
Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Right, those were the days. So essentially, having not won for however long too it long. is, yeah, too long. It's always good to look back on. God, some of these some tweets happier are, times. Some of these tweets are coming out now, aren't they? They're getting a bit. <laughs> <laughs> they are out there. I just want us to win, just to kind of finish these off, because. God, do we, so I want to do Win on away. a Saturday and then just end yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Win on a Saturday, things. win away on a Saturday and then, yeah, we can move on. Stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those were the days. So we're looking back on two seasons in particular. So it's 40 years since Huddersfield won promotion from the old Division 4. Uh, Mick Buxton's boys, 79-80, uh, romp into the title with uh, over 100 goals during that season. Uh, this time in 1979, so 40 years ago, on the 22nd of September... Uh, Huddersfield hosted Port Vale and smashed them 7-1. Uh, f- goals from Fletcher, an own goal from Delgado, Hart with two, Robbins with two, and Neil's favourite, Brian Stanton, with one in front of 4,299. Kept Huddersfield fourth in the league. I think because me and Simon are here, Cosy, we'll keep our theme of goalkeepers going again this week. So Andy Rankin played a lot last week, you know, the, the one who we covered last week. His other goalkeeper, the other goalkeeper challenging him was Alan Starling at that time. Can you tell us what Alan Starling is is up to these days or how his career panned out post Huddersfield? Yeah, so at town for four years between 1976 and 80. He was at Essex Boy, uh, played for Luton, Torquay on loan, Northampton, Huddersfield Town. Then he went to Bradley Rangers, a bit of a strange one. And uh, then Bradford City then for 14 years, so probably had the best time at, at Bradford, but... He joined town from Northampton in 1975, perhaps the only town player that was fined for indecent exposure on the field of play. <laughs> Styling shows you. Yeah, this yeah. came in the game against Scunthorpe United when he had, as usual, responded to the chance of Styling. Styling shows you. Derrier. Yeah. <laughs> Styling retired in 1980 from professional football, but came out of retirement for a short spell at local side Bradley Rangers uh, and also as goalkeeping cover in Bradford City in 1983. He still resided in Northfield. And he works as national account manager for the Huddersfield-based Miles Group. Nice. Uh, yeah, the Bradley Rangers had a, a very good team, I think, at the time. And a few players uh, came through from Bradley Rangers. I think Francis Firth might have been one of them. But uh, Tony Pierce, who scouted for Huddersfield's academy for years, was the, the coach back then as well. And Tony was a good player back in the day uh, as well. So 94-95, we are also looking at. So we covered Steve Francis last week. So I'll let you look out for his number two goalkeeper whilst we're... Uh, talking about the game, Kevin Blackwell, <laughs> whilst we're talking. So 17th of September, 1994, 25 years ago, Simon. I'm sure you can remember this just about. Just. Stockport County at home, a 2-1 win, 9,500, second place in the league, two goals from everybody's favourite at that time, Andy Booth. Uh, Boothy, um infamously in the away games against Stockport, I'm sure we'll probably cover it at that time, but in the away game against Stockport that season, fell over. Uh, fell over in, in the centre circle. They used to put the the mat. It wasn't quite a mat, but it was something they would put down. You know, which used to flap in the wind, etc. Sponsor, and Andy Booth tripped over. Uh, I think it was either that he either tripped over that or tripped over the uh, the turf. You know, as you walk out from the changing rooms, and injured his knee, and that started Andy Booth's uh, knee injuries away at Stockport with uh, an Did innocuous he play that injury. Day? He played that day for. Ni- I think he played that day ninety minutes and uh, also. Got called up to the England under-21s later as well. Um, but a cracking career nonetheless. But the reserve goalkeeper during that time, Steve Francis, brilliant goalkeeper during that season and the season before. Big hero, Steve Francis. Uh, penalty shootout, you know, away at Griffin Park. 
Uh, one man who I only really remember him playing at Cam- against Cambridge, and I think we won 3-1, uh, was a rather small goalkeeper called Kevin Blackwell, Cosy. And he, he had quite a decent career for a while after he left. Yeah, there's a lot to say about him in, uh, in this book. Uh, born in 1958 in Luton, played for Cambridge, Barnet, Boston United, Scarborough, Notts County, Turkey, Huddersfield, Plymouth and Sheffield United. Uh, arriving near Warner, combined his playing duties at time with managing reserves and youth teams, uh, the latter with Jerry Murphy. Of achieving promotion in 95, he left for Plymouth and Blackwell, sorry, Warnock left for Plymouth. Blackwell followed him along with Mick Jones. Following Warnock's sacking in 97, Mick Jones became manager and employed Blackwell's as assistant when he returned. And he was then reunited with Warnock at Bury. Can't believe they're gone. It's sad, isn't it? Uh, in 98, and then Sheffield United. After four years at the club, Blackwell left to join Leeds United as Peter Reid's assistant manager Knight in 2003. He became the first team manager in 2004, lasting two years at LML before getting sacked. He went on to manage Luton Town and Sheffield United and former club Bury. After previously falling out with Neil Warnock, they patched things up and he became Warnock's assistant manager at Palace in 2014, but they only lasted until December from August after being relieved of their duties. After a short spell coaching at Barnet in 2015, Blackwell was reunited with Warnock at QPR as his assistant. He had a short spell as Warnock's assistant at Rotherham. He's now his assistant manager at Cardiff, having taken the job on in October 2016. Kevin Blackwell, God, he would. Not a great goalkeeper when we had him there, wasn't he? I would, I oh, he played away at Birmingham. I remember going away to Birmingham in yeah, yeah. 94 and he played there. He, he got <laughs> quite lucky. They had Jose. Do you remember Jose Dominguez who played for them yeah. on the wing? He was out. He was amazing for League One. He just... He was about three foot tall and he was like a little spinning top. He used to absolutely run rings around everybody. No, I was always glad when we kept but, Stevie Boy yeah, fit. <laughs> but yeah, Kevin Blackwell played and he made about five lucky sets. We got, got away he with a one-off. Yacht's Electricity Cup. Has he got a Yacht's Electricity Cup winner's Probably medal? Probably does. When we beat all. God, pinnacle of his career. Right, let's... Lovely take and turn by Grant. He's right between two defenders. Grant Jinx shoots high. Wonderful goal, Colin Grant. That's an absolutely top draw strike by Huddersfield Town's January signing. Let's finish the podcast uh, by looking at our running. Uh, well, not the running, but next the, three the, games the are massive. I think we're chatting about this on bus when we're back. I think they're really big. Go on, then. <laughs> yeah. I've, oh God! I we'll can't go. believe I'm going to say this. But I'm going to say it. I think we're going to win must, on Saturday. I think we must will win. win. Must win. I don't like saying stuff like this because it's like well, it was one point for eight games. You don't see many teams staying up with that, do you? But so it's a massive. We need to get going very quickly. But I think we've got the three games coming up that we can do it. You know, I, I agree, and I think it's, it's a it's a good time to play Millwall. Um, two defeats in the last two, kind of the not one in six. I think they started the season quite well, but kind of their recent form has been poor. So. Good time to play them. We're at home as well. Um, I'm similar to you because I don't want to call it must win, but crikey, kind of one point from eight. Yeah. Then we've got a With Stoke. We'll yeah. have to say that. We've got stuck and I'm up for that as well. Uh, why not? Yeah, they got a draw, but I, I read some quotes from Tom Inns. It sounded like a deeply troubled club. I mean, obviously we've had our troubles, but that doesn't sound like a place that's ready for a takeoff anytime soon. So I fancy, God, I haven't been drinking on Oh, we're going to win got, seven in a row now. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got Stoke and then Blackburn were on TV. I think it'll be a bit of fun down there. We've got Hull at home after after Stoke and then Blackburn, yeah. Yeah, so... You think if we can get one win, then kind of hopefully that momentum, so that positivity, the yeah. confidence yeah. will come back. And we just kind of spoke about it a lot, really, mm. both ourselves on here and kind of Danny Cowley, etc. Mm. That kind of 
find a way of winning and winning becomes a habit and kind of um, breeds confidence, etc. I think that's Carly what we need to right do. behind the team on Saturday. I think they're going to be rocking. I can feel that connection with the Carly brothers. And if we start well... And I hope so. Thing, I hope yeah. it's a good crowd in. Um, it's Saturday at three o'clock, which I think is a good yeah. thing. Um, kind of for me, where football and when football should be played. Millwall probably won't bring too many. It's a long journey for them. We've got to um, be winning it, don't we? It's not so a yeah, not let's get behind the, Yeah, let's get behind the team. Yeah. Let's get behind the boys and, and kind of... Hopefully we can kind of kick something off, really. And I think what I'd like to see this week, maybe Danny Simpson in as a new face, not necessarily starting because he's well, not going to be fit. Will be fit. So Probably went, not. But, yeah, uh, muscle injury, didn't he? Didn't the thing with blood. Millwall, I've been looking at a few bits and bats, stats-wise, Millwall, and, and they score fit. a lot from from crosses and balls into the box. You know, they're quite direct under mm. under Neil Harris. Congolo like, would be quite useful, but this is where Tommy Elphick can, can really stand up and make himself a hero for, for other things apart from grinding against a... Uh, a post for Cozzy's amusement, but Cong- uh, you know, Congolo, Schindler, Elphick, players like that, Chalaba, you know, players like that could be really useful against um, against Millwall, and hopefully Congolo's fit. It, hopefully it's not nothing too serious, but he might be out for a couple of weeks. Stoke, like you say, Cozzy, not necessarily a happy, happy camp. Hull have tailed off a little bit. Uh, I think, I think, oh no, they beat Luton 3 0, didn't they? But they're, yeah, they're a bit I'll say the Hull one before, with the next podcast, we'll probably look at that. I'm just looking at Millwall's team because. Not kind of sure. Matt Smith. Murray big, Wallace. Big, yeah, big. Yeah, Murray Wallace. Didn't play mm. last week, though. Oh, sorry, he did in midfield, according to this uh, <laughs> formation. Interesting. God. If we lose 1-0 and Murray Wallace scores, I'm not I'm not doing a podcast okay. after that. Yeah, you, you, you could Smith. definitely make an argument for having Stankovic in there, kind of maybe as his defensive midfielder. Yeah, I'd rather have him um, as a Instead PM, of Hogg, yeah. perhaps, just to have a bit of height, because you're right, their attacking threat will very much be from set pieces. I've no doubt they've got someone who can chuck a long throw into the box as well at some point. Um, so yeah, we definitely need some height at the back line. I think for me, what will be quite interesting will be kind of who he picks kind of more in the offensive third of the pitch. So um, early today, we kind of, the EDT team built beat Morecambe 3-2. Nice to see some goals been scored. So Matty Daly got one, Reese Brown got two, and there were kind of two or three assists for kind of Josh Caroma there as well. Assist, yeah. um, and I appreciate that kind of Morecambe are not the standard opposition that kind of will be facing on, on Saturday, but... Confidence, it comes a time when you've got to how much more can these guys do they can only play against who's in front of them um, so I, I'd quite like to see Karoma for one on the bench ahead of Diakabi or Mbenza for me I've kind of almost written them off now where's Reese Brown? well he's, he's got two today right um, uh, played for them for the first time uh, but you're right I'm kind of surprised he's not featured before that Um whether he's enough to get on the bench as well, I'm not too sure. But I think at least one of them I'd like to see kind of um, progress and, and just demonstrate to the, the, the kind of the kids and, and the players in that team um, that if you do well, then you'll get an opportunity at first team level, really. I think they've yeah. both been bought with next year in mind, haven't they? Yeah. But I think the way things are going, their chance should hopefully come sooner rather than later. And, and even after Blackburn, because we've got Middlesbrough and Barnsley at home, this is, if we're going to stay up this season, this run for me is pivotal. Um, you know, we've got. On paper, we've got some good players. We, we we lack in certain areas, you know. Maybe full, you know, full backs are a little bit weak, and you know, maybe not so much a playmaker without Pritchard in there. But the, this this run is genuinely a time where it's not necessarily do or die, but this could take so much pressure off if we win two or three of the next six games. See, I'm not kind of looking at the opposition to be honest, Matt. I'm just looking at us, and I'm thinking improved performance last week. You know, the good effort, better than we've seen, and. Uh, Millwall, if we go and get the points on Saturday, we'll be buzzing. And then we've got a, what's it called? These are the, it's not called Britannia, it's a bet three, six, five or whatever yeah. and that as well. But I think that's one of those places. There'll be plenty of empty red seats next Tuesday. 
fans will, you know, those that are there probably on the back. If we like West Brom fans were turning a little bit, you know, but we just didn't have we yeah. Did, yeah, we just didn't have what it took to you know to see it through. But yeah, Saturday's huge. I think we're gonna win. God, I can't believe I'm saying it, but it is, I think it's happening. But it Saturday. has to happen at some point, so yeah. why not? <laughs> why not Saturday? I completely agree. And, and we found a way to score goals. I kind of I couldn't say the last time we scored two goals, so kind of let's yeah. kind of continue on that kind of vein, You were talking really. you were talking about attacking options, Simon. Would you stick with that front three of you know, say Pritchard isn't fit, would you stick with the four three three and Kachunga and Grant coming in from from the flanks after uh, Campbell's sort of dropping a bit off of uh, of a number nine position? Uh I would, yeah. And I think he might do similar as well actually. Um obviously there's a question mark about Congola at left back that we spoke about, but um and and debate maybe do you kind of swap um, swap Hog out and give him a bit of a rest potentially kind of shift Lewis O'Brien across there and put Reese Brown in but I think it'll broadly be the same team um, as what we've kind of seen this weekend um, just might be a few different options on the bench yeah. that's what I'd quite like to see I'd like to see Chrome on the bench if uh, Congolo's fit but I mean to be honest the way he's playing I won't be rushing him back if he you know anytime soon Jaden Brown do a good job on him that side but yeah be interesting wouldn't it Brown sounds like Brown's had a decent day at Markham so will Cowley sling him straight in it'll be uh What's this space? But at least we've got some options now, haven't we? Even though this is not the the greatest footballers buzz we've ever seen, but there's options though, aren't there? And uh, just having a quick look at that Millwall team, nothing there that I really think fear. We've got to get that win very soon, and why not Saturday? Yeah, I imagine Millwall. I want to make the game scrappy. Kind of Millwall teams of all, they'll kind of look mm. to slow it down. Huddersfield Town, we just need to kind of um, find a way of kind of playing really not stoop to their levels yeah. and, and we're passing get a lot quicker goal. on Sunday they were a lot quicker tempo that's what we need on Saturday that's been the problem with most of the games aren't they just slow pass slowy slowy pass they'll sit deep as well that, yeah. I would imagine they'll sit deep in two banks of four mm. or four, you know, four four one one maybe uh, so I think they'll be they'll be tough to break down so it's, it might be some patience needed as well and if we score a, a fluky bobbled one nil you know, go from a oh, set past piece caring how it know, comes. You know, past caring can happy days. Dance out, dance out the stage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful that Saturday could be the day. Points probably not a great result if we get it, but you know, you've got to get some on the board, haven't you? So we're all hopeful, aren't we, for for, for Saturday? Cautiously optimistic, I think, is the uh, the phrase that, that springs to mind as I look around the room because he's kind of shifting his eyes are shifting. He's like wonders if we've he's jinxed it all. But <laughs> well, God, we've had sixty episodes. Well, we haven't had that many, but. You talk uh, about superstitions earlier. We'll have to remember what we're all wearing, kind of etc. Uh, etc. Et <laughs> I don't want Cosy. Oh no, he's wearing his, his Yorkshire Vikings. I thought for a second it was his, his Leeds Rhinos stuff, but no, Yorkshire Vikings is perfectly yeah. acceptable at football. Yeah, fingers crossed that we uh, we sat here next week on the back of some points in the bank because uh, yeah, it's, God, I can't believe we're saying it's only eight games in, but when you've got one point, you can't afford to give any more start, really, can you? Yeah, I completely all. agree. It's it's a fifth. It's over. You know, more pretty much a fifth way through the system. So that season. No, I, the only thing I would mention, I don't the VAR stuff that's rattling on in the in the press. The offside, the not offside. That's you know what? There's. <sighs> I think the people in this country thought it were going to be a perfect system, and it were never going to be. The thing that's frustrating for me, kind of watching it, is that the referee doesn't get the chance to have another look at it, and that's what it, it's different in other countries. I watch obviously the Spanish league a lot, and 
the referee, if he's not getting what is, ah, you have a look at it and then he makes the decision. It does take a bit longer, but you have that other decision where, like that thing that happened on Sunday, it's just like... So, so what I heard it. is that they do have the option to do that. So there are monitors by the sides of the pitches, um, kind of close to the dugout, but kind of they've been instructed by Mike Riley, presumably, that that's essentially the last resort. And, and this was a couple of weeks back now, so it may have changed, but there's been no instances so far this season whereby a referee has consulted mm-hmm. that monitor at the side of the pitch, which is, you're right, it's completely different um, from uh, from other countries. I, I personally am not a big fan of VAR. Um, I kind of like the um, kind of interpretation, dubious nature of kind of refereeing decisions. For me, it adds to the football occasion, adds to the match day experience. You'll get some right, you'll get some that aren't right, but, but for me, that's what football is and, and kind of, kind of defaulting to this kind of um, system now is just kind of ki- just killing the game from my point of view and you saw it the weekend where kind of um, opposition or kind of players and fans celebrated only then to have decisions overturned it Chelsea, completely yeah. killed the game and completely killed the momentum and um, yeah the Chelsea-Liverpool game was a, was a massive and example Liverpool of that straight after and it's- yeah I'm a fan of the VAR I mean it's probably not a popular opinion on here but I see it all the time you know like people are getting decisions now where they never would have done it like since Spain like Burnabout Camp now and that little team's Guys going out boxing, they have to like, sure. Mm. You know, like, get them yeah, yeah. home decisions. We've seen a lot more of that now and stuff. Yeah, it's got its faults. And I still don't understand the handball rule to this day. I, don't, I just don't <laughs> get it. It used to change in different competitions and different kind of things. But I think it's here to stay. It's how do you make the best of it and that as well. And I just don't think at the moment they are. I'm I'm happy with VAR when the human element's removed. So for offsides, if you're, you know, it's defined. If you're ahead of the man, whether it's one, one millimetre or one mile, it's offside. You know, everyone can sort of. I know it's frustrating, yeah. but it's offside. No, I agree, Matt. And done it, it does my head in when pundits on TV like, "Ooh, it's close," but no, he's offside. What? Ooh, it's, it's close. No, it is like we said we're about black and white earlier. Yeah. It's either it's either offside yeah, or not. Where tight. I don't where I don't like VAR is where it comes back to another opinion in in a tower, and I don't like the, the problem I have with VAR is that something happens, they go to check it, and it takes somebody two minutes to then come to another wrong decision, and he gets panned for it. I don't like that. I only want VAR where it's where its use is technology on penalties. Use hotspot you know, to see mm. if there's been contact and you know stuff like that. Don't rely on somebody somebody's opinion in a studio. That it just it just goes from one person's mm. opinion to another person's for me, opinion. For me, it creates more questions than it does answers. And you saw kind of the Chelsea versus Liverpool game at the weekend. The the, the big debate then around Mason Mount being offside was. Was that in the same phase of football? Kind of was that kind of contribute to the goal, or actually had the football moved on he's sufficient by a sufficient amount to, to rule it? Um, the, 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 the only worry but, but about draw the, line? the only worry draw about line? it though is how accurate the technology is, because there's certain angles where Mount looks onside and the lines drawn across the pitch show him as onside. So as long as they're happy that it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent accurate for offside, I'm happy with offsides. I, I'm not happy where it takes somebody five minutes to make the wrong decision about a penalty or a handball or something. like I'm the the other big bugbear for me is kind of the, the kind of one of the kind of uh, attractive things about football is the kid in the playground can play exactly the same game as what kind of the professional footballers can do kind of on a Saturday at three o'clock at the John Smith Stadium, and suddenly with the introduction of VAR, the game that's now played by those elite professional players is similar. Yeah, kind of obviously is almost identical. Are you but saying the, these kids in the playground have got their phones at an angle <laughs> and stuff, and they have to go check the phone to see if it's okay? I'm not, but that, that's one of the real things that kind of I think draws you into football. You can do what they can do, and suddenly now it's it's, it's a slightly different game. I think one of the funniest things is I remember when it was going to be brought in, and like, well, look at the guys in the pool ball and what have you. There won't be nothing to talk about, but he's probably also, giving you more talking points <laughs> yeah, than ever talk before. About never, that as well. I think all I'd th- say is maybe judge it at the end of the season. It's, it's typical. There's been one or two controversial ones, and they're in their profile games in England, these kind of getting the ones with big, 
noises, but I'd say, let, let's see how it's in there. I think it's here to stay, what, whatever. You know, I think it's just making the best out of it and that as well. And he gets more right It'll than get wrong. Better. It'll yeah, get better. Yeah, just it's the time it takes. Some right. of the ones, it's been like taking four or five minutes, rubbish. And then they're adding like 11 minutes on at the end. It's just like, mm. yeah. I think but, one of my one of my main issues as well with, with VAR, it feels like football in general, it feels like football is now made more for the person watching at home than it is for the person in the stadium, yeah, if yeah. you know what I mean. That's that's one sort of feeling that I can't help disliking about VAR. Yeah. Because like you can watch it, it's ridiculous. The word. You can watch it on your Sky Go or whatever, and you watch it because you can't see it in the stadium. So I can't remember where we're at. There was a game where they're like, looking at what's going on here, and you have to watch it on your Yeah, so Old, old Trafford, for example, doesn't have a screen. No. So kind of how do the fans in that stadium then watch it back mm. and understand kind of why a certain decision has been made? Um, what makes me laugh, though, is kind of like you'll still get players yelling at referees to say to go to VAR, but what they don't get is like the VAR people are already talking to them, so they're already looking at it. But it's like, come on, look at that, look at this. So every time there's a penalty, the VAR will always check it. And then I think the frustrating thing is then when, say there's been an incident, is it a penalty or not? And then the game's gone the other way. Say the game carries on for two or three minutes, you're st- they're still going to like stop it at the next interval and like do it all. So it's like it could take three four minutes for you to even look at your incident, but it's... It's interesting. We see what happens if there's ever an incident that then, before the kind of the game comes to a natural kind of um, pause, then the opposition team go and score. Kind of then, what happens in that scenario? Mm-hmm. Essentially, you're saying that that kind of goal the opposition scored is then ruled out to kind of the award of a penalty. Yeah, probably so. Probably that's going to be quite contentious, and inevitably it will happen see. at some point. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think. I think that's it for for this week. So uh, hopefully we we'll be back next week celebrating. Uh, some points <laughs> Come on, the town! Finally, Come on, boys! Finally, it's a this week. Can it's do happening. it. It's you happening. can do well, it. We'll, we'll be back next week. But town will be this week. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks for getting in touch. Thank you to bidobygolf.com for sponsoring this specific episode. Louis and, uh, O'Brien. Come on, the town. And now AKLD no longer sponsor it because he's allowed to sing. Louis O'Brien. Come on, the town. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the flame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Pete's got a chance and scores. Jack Pete scores. Heffel is in there. Scores for us, Field Town! 3 2 Town! For a sherry, Danny Ward saves! Danny Ward saves! The Quattro's in, round the hair! 2 0 on us, Field Town! Christopher Shingler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. 
A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley, great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, muck nugget share box, spot on. Order muck delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 